I went through about six years. That was my, my language. Right. My father one day, was a very kind, patient man, but he had about enough of this. I could kick a pig in the ass and get a better answer. <laughs> And what did I say? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then I got paid back, because then my oldest son went through the same thing. <laughs> so we called him Grunt. Now he speaks ten languages. <laughs> but there was a while, I was, <laughs> Need the mic. Yes, thank you very much. I just had a couple of concerns for the teachers that um, recess might not be the, you know, a time when he wants to get out and play with Christopher, so that wasn't really dealt with, I mean, in terms of empathizing with his need for play. He wants to see Christopher and also get out at recess, and also it's fun to break scissors and things like that. So his needs around <laughs> what's going on with breaking things in the room might, at some point, for me, I had the need for those to be addressed. <laughs> About what? <laughs> the needs behind the, the needs behind the breaking? Well, the needs, yeah, behind getting up and running around and not sitting down and working on a project. I mean, he may or may I not. I thought that the, the dynamic was, was being talked about. I thought that those were the feelings that were leading to it. Now, I don't think we talked about it enough. That's why I'm glad that she set up another time. Mm -hmm. And playing the role when I said <coughs> yes, even though it was during recess, it was yes. Because what I was getting from her at that moment was very precious for me. And that's why it was so precious, why I'm going to break her scissors this afternoon. Because that was scary how precious that time was for me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it, it seems to me, I, I may have seen something here that I want to check out with you. What I'm trying to say is that I have an issue with someone that I would like to discuss with them. But it's really not about the issue. And it appears to me that there's a, a great deal of this has to do with letting go of any expectation whatsoever. And um, that it's really much more of a discussion um, or of a process of understanding each other's needs. Exactly. Period. No, not period, but part of it I would firmly agree with. We've got to get rid of making our request into an addiction, you see, an expectation. Uh, we've got to let go of the objective of getting our request fulfilled. That isn't what's, what's important. What's important is three things that are interdependent. Creating a quality of connection. In which we see each other's humanness. And a total lack of any enemy images. Another way of saying that, a lack of any moralistic judgments. 
nothing in this connection. Nobody sees any wrongness on the part of the other person. What do we see? Their feelings and needs, the truth. That's one-third of our objectives, you see. So, when I approached my son earlier about the garbage, my objective was a strategy to get the garbage out. Yes, of course, I would have said I want a loving connection with my son, but in this situation, I was addicted to getting the garbage out. That was my objective. See, with the manager, with the employee, if it's our objective to get him there on time. No, it's not. Now, here's why it's hard to mention this to most of the people that I work with. They then can only see the other option is permissiveness. You, get, you become a chump that they think then you're talking about passivity, then you, you're going to be a loser. I'm going to be a victim, you're saying. I'm supposed to just let the kid do whatever the hell he wants. I'm supposed to do all the work around the house. A mother came back a second day of a workshop. I went home and tried it last night. It didn't work. And I said, what did you do? I made a clear observation to my oldest son. I pointed out to him that he didn't do the work he said he was going to do. Okay, that's clear observation. And I told him I was disappointed. I told him I had a need to trust that people will do what they say. Okay. I asked him to please do it immediately. <laughs> what happened? He didn't do it. What did you say? I told him he couldn't go through life being lazy and irresponsible. <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm glad we have another two days. Because it seems like your objective is doing this. You're here to learn how to get him to do this. Yes. Then you don't want to be here. You need to be, go to a dog obedience school. <laughs> Read Skinner. If your objective is to get people to do what you want, uh, systematically use punishment and reward and so forth. That is not objective. But see, the only other option she could think of then. Oh, so I'm just supposed to let him do whatever he wants. I have to do all the work around the house myself. I don't believe in permissiveness. No, I'm not talking about permissiveness. See, such a radical paradigm shift if we've been ed educated in domination culture, which requires you to obey authority. So it's very scary. People think the only other option then is uh, we're going to have chaos, anarchy. Okay, so that's one-third of the objective. Creating a quality of connection in which we see each other's humanness. There's no enemy images, no good guys, bad guys, nobody's right or wrong. Second, we value other person's needs being met equal to our own. Notice there's no giving up in here. We don't give up our needs. It doesn't require that. But we must value the other person's needs equal to our own. Notice we're not talking about strategies. We're not talking about whether to learn sewing or not sewing, take out the garbage or not take out the garbage, be on time or not on time. It's not the objective. It's not ever our objective, the strategy. Because we might find more creative ways of getting everybody's needs met. Maybe we'll find a way of getting the garbage to disappear or something. You know, nobody has to take it out. Who knows? We, if we are really creative and we can, we're mainly interested in meeting needs, we may find that the original request I made, there's better ways of getting everybody's needs met. Or the other person may do it. But that wasn't my objective. 
My objective was to meet everybody's needs, not to get him to take out the garbage, not to get him to learn sewing, not to come to work on time. And the third part of the objective, whatever is done is done through pure natural giving. That means we're giving with the joy that human beings feel when they see what they're doing is enriching life, meeting needs. This is the only reason for doing it. No fear of punishment, no buying love, no trying for a reward, no guilt motivating. So yeah, it's not the, the, the sowing. Now, when, when this is there, if sewing is going to enrich this child's life, of course he's going to sew. And if it isn't, the teacher doesn't want him to. She said her need was to enrich his life. If he can find, they might find another way of doing it. So if, if the sewing does enrich his life, it'll take care of itself. The sewing will be done. The garbage was taken out by my son. That's from there after, after I got the message, after he trusted that it was not my objective. Yes. How can a student trust in the teacher's um, objective that his need is important and her need is important when that student is already being compelled to be there? How can they trust something beyond that initial compulsion, which is, you know, that you are required to be in this room at this time? Because how do I put it to them? If I use Amtsprache, I become part of the system. If I say, you, you have to be here. If I use that language, I'm part of the system. So I never say to the child, you have to. I never say to the child, it's the rule. That's Amtsprache. That's bureaucratic language. No, I don't say that. I'm not part of that system. I say, I'd like you to be here on time. I might say an observation. There's a rule in the school that says this. And when you don't do it, I get very frustrated because it creates a real pain for me. And I'm within a system. If I don't punish you, then I get punished. You see, I'd be honest about my dilemma in that. On the other hand, if I agree with the rule, then I don't say you must do it because it's the rule. I would say what my needs are that would be met by, by acting in harmony with this. I'm scared about you not staying in harmony with this rule because I value whatever. Is this showing? So, yeah, I, I, it's the rule, but I never use Amtsprache with the person. Like, you have to, you must, you can't. Especially since they already know they can, no matter what I say. So I don't want to lie to them and say, you can't. They know they can, even if it's a rule. So why would I lie to them? Why would I ever say to somebody, you have to do something, when I know no human being has ever done anything because they had to? No human being does anything they don't choose to do. Clear? You seem a little not ready to buy well, that I, assumption. I, I guess it's maybe that grudging, grudgingness uh, that sometimes children will yield. You know, all right. No, then I wouldn't let them because, see, then they're not doing it this way. I haven't met my needs. My needs are not met when they, all right. My needs aren't met then. That's, we, haven't re, we haven't gotten everybody's needs met. So now I never, 
want anybody to do anything out of all right motivation. No, we need to still negotiate. We need to keep the giraffe dance going. Because when people act out of this energy, it's not all right. <coughs> yes. So I tried this with my ex-husband a couple of months ago. Now this is unrealistic, because husbands are never jackals. <laughs> ex-husbands are. Oh, ex-husbands. Okay, I'll take your word for it. But this is the first man I've ever heard to be a jackal. <laughs> and um, we had a nice conversation, mm -hmm. and um, the conversation more or less ended after a couple of hours, mm -hmm. um, with some, uh, I think, clearer understanding, mm -hmm. perhaps, of each other. Certainly, I understood him a little bit better. Yes. And he voluntarily agreed to increase the amount of child support yes. that he sends. And, um, and now he wants to take it back through other ways. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm back to square one. Come on up here and let's talk to this, Jeff. Come on up here and let's talk to this, Jeff. So, let's make it easy for a while. I'll sew this giraffe ears on him for a while. So, do your best to speak giraffe, but even if it's not perfect, you don't have to worry that much because he's got the ears on. Okay, what do you want to say to him? Do I need to give background? No. You can you can when say you, you can you can quote you can make a clear observation, yes, okay. when you said When you said that uh, now that you're paying me more child support you won't be paying the health insurance or the dental bill any longer. Um, I felt uh, I I feel frustrated and and angry and um, I need to. I, I need. I need fairness. Mm -hmm. I need to um, have the financial burden not rest um, predominantly on my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. I need some sharing yeah. in that responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And while I'm at it, mm -hmm. I need. <laughs> while, while, while you have those giraffe ears on. Um, I would really like it if you could come up more often so that um, my needs for my son to have a, um, uh, a, a closer connection with you are met, and so that I get. Um, a bit of a break from being an exclusive parent. And I would really like to have some acknowledgement from you about all of the different, you know, the tremendous effort that I put into um, raising our son and how um, much of it I do exclusively. So there's a lot that you're sharing with me there, and I want to be sure that I'm really hearing it all. 
first, you, you dislike some obvious awareness that there's expenses involved in keeping the family going with our son. And you would really like to have uh, the money that it would take to do that job well, so to cover for living expenses, health expenses. That's right. And it's very scary and hurting for you uh, to know that I have the money to give for that, but that I don't. That's right. And I'm also hearing that you're concerned about <coughs> the boy having a father who's really showing an interest in him. You want to make sure he, he gets his need to feel cared for, not only by you, but by a father. Yes. And you'd also like to know that he's with somebody loving at times and uh, give you a, a rest to take care of some needs of your own. You got it. Yeah. 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 And I need a lot of empathy myself. Do you need to be understood more or would you like to hear what's going on in me that's keeping me from doing those things? I think I need you to understand a little bit more. Okay. Um, okay. I need you to uh, uh, understand the the um, the depth or the quantity of time that that I have been the sole financial supporter, not the sole, but almost almost exclusively um, bearing the financial burden and. Um, and I wish you to understand the, the pain that I feel for my son um, when you decided not to move with us. Mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing this up, because I realize I did miss a part of your first message, which is that you'd also like some recognition and gratitude for the job you're doing with him and under difficult conditions. And, uh, and now you're wanting, in addition to that, some recognition of the stress involved in being the only provider of support for him. Yes, when I heard you say you're doing a good job, that felt nice to hear, but it was just, it barely scratched the surface. You would really like to know if in my heart I'm seeing what you're investing in that boy's yes. well-being. Yes, yes. It would really help to hear what's behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and when I express what's going on in me, I think you'll hear what's keeping me from it. But even now, I'd like you to know it isn't that I don't really feel that gratitude. But I need some empathy for what keeps me from both offering the gratitude and the financial support and the time to be with him. I'm ready to hear you, and I'm also a little frightened that um, I will subjugate my needs and concerns out of uh, wishing to understand you. I thank you on behalf of Ellen Goodman for having that consciousness. Who's that? She writes for the Boston Globe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she says, women, beware of guys like Rosenberg teaching you how to understand and empathize better. You see. 
she doesn't mention me by name, but I had my paranoid ears on when I read this. <laughs> she said, maybe we women have been trained so well to empathize with other people's needs that there's a danger that we lose connection with our own. So she would be glad that you have that consciousness. That, uh, be careful about empathizing so well with the other person that you lose your needs in the process. I'm all too familiar with that. Okay, okay. So I'm glad you have that consciousness, and uh, I thank you on behalf of Ellen Goodman. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to express myself in giraffe, but even if I do, you'll probably still need those ears, because uh, I'm going to be getting into some heavy stuff. Okay. For it. It's not, it's somewhat like what that gentleman was talking about to his employer about the dema inner demands and the pressures. It's, but th I think that's mild compared to what goes on in me. Because it is very important to me to provide for our son. And I would like to be caring and provide for you as an individual, because we had lots that we gave each other for a while, and that was precious for both of us for a while. And out of that, I would like to give to you and enjoy giving to you. I would like to give to my son and enjoy giving to my son. Then why do you say things like, you'll excuse me if your needs aren't important to me? You'll hear that now, why I say that. <laughs> you'll hear that now because they're too important to me for the wrong reasons. And so I'm rebelling against this and resisting it. <coughs> Can you tell me back what you hear me saying so far? I'm not sure I understand it, but you said that those needs are too important for you, so you run away from them. Yes, too important in this respect. I feel responsible for your feelings. I feel responsible for my son's happiness. And that, I feel such that, how could any father not behave differently than I am? Would you say that again? Yes. How could any father not contribute to his son's well-being? You're saying that you do? No. Or I'm that saying, you want to? I'm saying I tell myself that. I feel oh. responsible for my son's mm -hmm. And that makes an inner demand far stronger than that man's demand that I have to be on time. It makes it a powerful demand, an inner should. And I rebel against that. And I'm also guessing that there's resentment that I left the relationship. Thank you, because on top of that, I have a whole bunch of other feelings of hurt, rage, a whole bunch of feelings left over from the relationship that I haven't had the empathy for that I will need. And these two together, the two together, this inner demand from my jackal, plus these resulting, still remaining feelings, all of that together makes it, I just don't want to give, I just, and yet I hate myself for not giving. 
I still don't understand the part where you said it makes you not want to give. I still have a lot of hurt, a mm. lot of rage, plus the other, plus this inner demand that I should give. What's in me? What's wrong with me? It's my son. So I'm saying all of these feelings together. Even if somebody outside mentions it, then they're going to get back. I don't care. I mean, that's your problem. But it's because I've got all this going on inside, and until it's dealt with, I can't meet my own needs. The other needs that I have, they're strong to care for myself. That's a very strong need. So it must be, so I'm saying that it's, then I need you to see how strong the pain is that's inside that I need empathy for before I can respond to my need to give to my son. You're, you're feeling pain because you, need to, because you need to have that connection with your son and you don't? Or you feel... Um, I need to have it with him, but the demand of myself to do it, feeling I should, what kind of a father am I, that, that inner pain created by my inner jackal is so great that I can't, I don't, I can't act on my need to be with my son. I hear you saying that that you're where you are, working as hard as you are because you need um, to um, to save your money to buy land so that you can be self-sufficient and leave a legacy for your son, or maybe not a legacy, a something for him. That's also, that's also going on. Yes, I would like to do that for many reasons. That's also going on. That's the easiest for me to talk about. Because I'm the clearest about that. Yes, one way I can do it is by getting this land and making money and leaving a legacy. But the other stuff about not giving for the medical expenses now, not meeting with him, that's the stuff I'm talking about now. What's behind that? So it, it must feel and must have felt enormously painful for you to um, uh, lose the uh, setting in which you had a, uh, a relationship, a, a wife and a son. I, Extremely painful extremely painful, but it was painful before that. It was painful before that. Before we left? Yes. It was <coughs> painful because I felt... You felt a pull between responsibility I felt and responsible for your happiness and his. Mm -hmm. And the more I felt responsible for your happiness, the less I wanted to give to you. The less I was giving to you emotionally, the less you wanted to be in the relationship. So it was very painful for me already before you left. And your needs were, were certainly not, your needs for um, love and being able to call the shots or uh, being free to come and go when you choose um, were all not being met. That was another part of it. But the main but part of it, the main part of it was that I felt responsible for your happiness. And so when you would let me know 
that uh, how unhappy you were with the way I was spending my time and how much time I was investing in our relationship, I felt again the same dynamic. Oh my God, I'm responsible. I'm, uh, I should be, give more to you. If I don't, you're going to be hurt. And uh, when I have that image that I'm responsible for your happiness, then I don't want to give. So, it so you felt a tremendous burden. I, I, made it a, I made it a tremendous <clears throat> burden because I had an illness, a very serious illness called male-itis. You had it bad. <laughs> yes, I had it very bad. Male-itis. I feel responsible for the people, my wife's happiness. And when she's unhappy, then I feel the demand, oh shit, now what do I have to do? And, uh, so when I was unhappy, you felt... A failure? Yes, and I felt now I have to be home more and do more what she wants, and uh, that made our relationship as much fun for me as a prolonged dental appointment. <laughs> and um, it's not hard for me to understand then that that was very painful for you. That would be easier for you to hear that I just don't care, and so then I see you getting more unhappy, then I'd have even less energy for being with you, and so I know I'm not surprised you chose finally to leave, but then the leaving itself created real pain for me. So all of this is going on in me and is still not healed and needs to be healed before I can enjoy giving the money to you and the child and to enjoy really telling you how deeply touched I am at what you are giving to him. I see it and it's, I, I feel it so strongly, but you can't express gratitude sincerely when you're in as much pain as I'm in. When I put myself in your shoes, I, I just feel sad. Um. And that's precious for me, the empathy you've given me, that you feel sad. But now, it would also be a gift for me if you met Ellen Goodman's needs and make sure you still don't lose your needs right now. <laughs> so you've given me what I need most right now, which is the empathy, your honesty, but don't think that means you have to give up your needs. Well, I also have a need to just trust in what we agree on and not feel the shaky ground of yeah. it ever-changing. Yeah, I can understand that. and uh, I mean it when we have this kind of connection, but then the jackals can get into me and I can lose it quickly. So that's why I need to find some way of getting enough of what we just started on now. This is just the surface of what I need to do to get that pain dealt with well enough. And where do I find this? You know, I'm not willing to talk to you very much, uh, so I don't give you the time, and I'm not sure it's fair to ask you to do it when you're in so much pain yourself. So where do I go? When I talk to my friends, we sit around and all complain about whose wife was the biggest bitch. And that doesn't help. So... Um, are you willing to talk to me? Yes, it? yes, this way it's a great gift to me. But, but again, listen to Ellen Goodman. Check and make sure it's, that you're not losing something in yourself to have to give this empathy to me. Make sure you get enough yourself. <laughs> Are you willing to make a direct deposit out of your paycheck every month? <laughs> I don't want to go to court. 
Yeah, I well, prefer not to. Well, you know, it would be really helpful. Maybe the solution is if we could get a giraffe, one of these giraffes around this area or some area to help mediate between us so we can keep this connection going but not have to put it all on you to have to always have the giraffe ears on. something of worth in me when the depths of myself shows through and you say no to what you see so we now know how to hear no we don't have to deal with what I dealt with when I wrote that song you see, giving our power away and reading in things like rejection and so forth so now that we know how to hear no, let's hear, learn how to say it. So first, write down what one of those messages might be that's coming at you from another person. What does the other person say that would meet either one or both of those criteria? It would be a challenge not to lose connection with your need and get lost in theirs, or... Uh, even if you didn't get lost, it would still be hard to say no to it. Oh, yes. This is from a, a typical age child, my six-year-old, who when something has come up, she will say, well, what is more important than me? Mm, what, what is more important than me? That may be the winner today, I think. You hear? <laughs> Did you hear all of these people already thinking only a cruel mother would say no to this person? Um, don't complain about picking me up if you didn't want to have kids. You shouldn't have had them. <laughs> Anything that has a should, ought, expectation makes it real easy for me to say no. But other people might have trouble, so I'm glad we're getting a diversity here. So, Other messages, yes. You said you, you wanted it. You said you wanted it. You said you wanted it. You wanted it, yeah. Okay, now how do we say no in giraffe? The first step is probably the hardest, and that is to show sincerely in our eyes that we received a beautiful gift from this request. When people believe that their, when they trust that their request is received as a gift, then no matter how else we say no, it's going to be easier for them to hear. But what's painful for people is not hearing no. It's feeling like their need doesn't matter. Everybody got the first step. Now, most of the time, this is in the eyes, you see. 
For example, you ask me what I mind, whatever it is, you ask me, would you pick up some, something on the way home? And, and Now here's what's going on in me. Oh my God, how do I tell that I've got so many other things to do? So the first thing you see are the eyes between, oh my God, how am I going to, you see these eyes. You see what I mean? How does that make you feel? If, if you have jackal ears, you will think that it was your request that created my pain. You got me? And if we believe that our needs or our requests can create pain, we're toxic. That's what's painful, not hearing a no, but when we feel like our needs are toxic. You see, and that happens often with this combination of the person on the receiving end feeling so scared about saying no, and they don't realize that that fear in their eyes is the worst pain to the other person of all. If they have jackal ears. Because they're going to say, oh my God, look what my needs do to people. I'm toxic. So, the first thing we do is to sincerely have the eyes of the child again. It's getting a gift from Santa Claus got to be sincere. And it will be sincere if we see it for what it is. Here is a human being in front of us expressing a need and a request. That's what we hear with giraffe ears. And whether we agree to do it or not, it's still a gift. This person is giving us an opportunity to make life wonderful for them. That's one of the most precious gifts another person can give us. An opportunity to make life wonderful for them. So that's what we need to communicate back to them first of all, with our eyes, or if we are using words, here we could empathize. So you're really running behind schedule and it would be a big relief to have me drop off and get that for you. See, just to show an empathy for the need. But I don't have to say it necessarily if my eyes show that I receive a gift. So that's the first step in saying no. Now, the second step has two parts, what not to say ever and what to say instead, okay? So to say no in giraffe, we never use the following words, no, okay? Make, make a note of that, you see, to say no in giraffe, never say no. Next, I don't want to, never say I don't want to, never say I'm not willing. Never say, I can't. Never say, I don't have time. <laughs> We're about run out of it pretty quick. I don't have time. Never say, it's not possible. Never say, it's not in the budget. That's what not to say. Now, what do we say? We express the need that keeps us from saying yes. Notice how this is just the other side of how to hear no. Notice we've been learning how to hear no by hearing what is the, that every no is a poor expressed yes. When a person says no, they're really saying, I have a need that keeps me from enjoying giving to you right now. Okay, but now we're on the other side. Now we are the speaker. We want to make it easy for people to hear that. By, and so we say, the need of ours that is keeping us from saying yes. Yes. What if you really have an absolute no, if you put out a need, 
that is preventing you and if they fill that need all of a sudden now you're the next need and the next need and the real answer well, is no never. You haven't gotten down to what's really been the need behind the no to begin with. What is the need behind the no that keeps you coming? Okay, and then we got to get the second step. Now, very important after we have said the need behind the no, the one that keeps us from saying yes, that we follow that with the speed of light with a present request that demonstrates this second intention on the board here, that we value others' needs being fulfilled equal to our own. So we have just said the need that keeps us from saying yes. Now we make a present request that searches for a way to get everybody's needs met. See, we don't just stop and say, no, I've got this need I'm going to take care of. No, no. We're still equally interested in the other person's need getting met as our own. So we follow it up with a request that searches for a way to get everybody's needs met. Everybody got that? Then practice it in your situation. Now, what do you say back to the person that demonstrates the last two things? Let's assume that you have given them through your eyes that you received a gift. Let's skip step number one. Let's go to directly to two and three. Express what, how you would say the need that keeps you from saying yes and the request that searches for a way to get everybody's needs met. My original request was... Um, that the other person made. The other person, yep. Um, he said, I need you at the shop on Friday. What time will you be there? <laughs> I need you at the shop on Friday. What time will you be there? Okay, so let's, that's what this jackal just said, and let's hear what you say back to the jackal. So I would say, I have a need to protect myself from the frustration I feel when I'm at the restaurant. Would you be willing to try working without me and call me only if it's unbearable. Mm -hmm. Okay, now if this person that's giving him a chance to meet your need, if he can enjoy doing that to protect you, and he might, seeing that, might be willing to risk it himself. It would give him joy to meet your need. Maybe not, but at least you've shown uh, that you're interested in what his needs are, whether this would meet his needs to do that. Fine. Who else has got one? Yes. I'm afraid I haven't got it very well. Uh, Let's hear that first one again. It was a dandy, if I can remember. What was the jackal's response? It was my six-and-a-half-year-old daughter's response, her, her request. Um, her parents are coming to San Francisco to the NVC conference. Mm -hmm. Now you're trying to make me feel guilty. <laughs> And arrangements have been made for her to stay the night with a friend, and, yeah. and she has uh, known about it and, uh, and looking forward to it. And yeah. the night before, she says, don't go. Don't go. And I say, I'm going to a class that's very important, and I'm going to be learning some wonderful things. What's more important to you than me? What's more important to you than me? I said, you're very important to me. Um, I love you. The class is important, but in a very different way. And then it, 
and then I didn't uh, know how to handle it in any different ways. I said, I've made uh, arrangements, I've made commitments. <laughs> you already knew where you were going and we're happy to have the arrangement made that we made. We spent more than an hour talking about it in this way. She's not hearing a thing you said. No, it was, it yes, didn't feel right she at needs, all. because she needs empathy for what's more important than me. You said, you said you are important to me, which is a jackal statement. Oh, you is, are important to me is yeah, a jackal statement? There's no statement? such thing as being important to someone. It's a vague abstraction. So you need to empathize with what is the person's feelings and needs when they say, what's more important than me? So not answering that question but to look deeper for hear a the, need. Hear the, hear the present feelings and needs being expressed through that message. What is a person feeling and needing when they say that? Are you scared that we're going to be gone? That we. Never connect the other person's pain with you. Connect it to their needs. <coughs> Are you scared that you'll be alone? Are you scared that you'll be alone? No. You care more about those workshops than me. Your own daughter. Precious and six years old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to help this six-year-old. I, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing that. It's not necessary. <laughs> feelings and needs. Feelings and needs. She needs so. empathy. You're, you're feeling sad that you think something is don't, more important? Don't, 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 don't ever hear what a jackal thinks. <laughs> don't encourage them to think, see. What is the need? What is the need behind you think it, that's more important than me? What's the need? What need? What need? We don't have to be right, but just guess a need. Are you worried? Because you need, what does the person need? Because you want me to be with you? No, that's a request. That's a oh. strategy. You want me to be with you. What's the need? Are you worried because you're going to be at someone's house overnight? No, that's, what, that's, a, that's where the person's going to be, but it doesn't say a need. You need to feel safe? You need to feel safe? Well, I'm safe, but I'm safe. That's not it. Need to be assured that what need is going to be met. That your need is what what need. How would we put this in words that a six-year-old would understand? Are you feeling sad and need reassurance that you're cared about, that, that you're valuable? Yeah. That's much more powerful to empathize with that than to immediately jump in and say, you are. Because if you say that to a six-year-old, they'll say, methinks thou dost protest too much. <laughs> okay. So what does valuable mean, Mom? What does valuable mean? Oh, then I'd put it in another word. That you cared for, that you matter. That you, is that making sense? Yeah. You care more about those Workshops for me. So you need to really have your need to be cared about, Matt. You're not sure at the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So I empathize with that, but I make sure that I never do anything to prove to another person that they're cared for. I might, I might take her on my lap and hold her. I might agree not to go on the workshop, but not to prove that I care for her. Because if I do anything out of that energy, the child will pay for it. See, if I'm a giraffe, I never do anything for the child. Giraffes never meet anybody's needs but their own. They are self-full. Not to be confused with selfish, not to be confused with selfless, self-full. I might stay home if I would enjoy contributing to this child's happiness, if that would meet my needs to do it. But not if in any way I felt giving in, not in any way to keep the child from interpreting that they weren't loved. That isn't going to meet anybody's needs. I might stay home, but not to prove that I care for them. Actually, what the person would need is that empathy that was just given more than anything. And then they need to trust that what comes back is honest. So even if I spent quite a lot of time with her saying, I'm really sad that this is making you feel so unhappy, but that wasn't very if helpful. That, if that was done second, it would be different than if it's the first thing she hears. Because if you start with, I'm sad, that's, that isn't that's sympathy, not empathy. I'm saying we need to start with empathy. When we say, I'm sad that you feel that way, I'm talking about myself. Okay. I've left the other person over here all alone with their feelings. So I start with, so you're feeling really sad. And need assurance that you're cared for. Yes. The other children's mummies and daddies don't go off all the time. <laughs> yes. So but, don't defend yourself and say this is only the second time in your life. Never, <laughs> never hear what another person thinks. Never encourage comparative thinking. See, this person's already learned what we teach many people in our culture to compare themselves to others. Look at most of the ads, you see. Mm -hmm. They're all taught us to compare ourselves to some ideal, you see. The danger of that. If you don't know how to compare yourself yet, if you didn't learn that jackal trick, read uh, Daniel uh, Greenberg's book, How to Make Yourself Miserable. <laughs> he even has exercises in there to teach you how to do this. <laughs> He shows a picture of a very beautiful man and a very beautiful woman with all of their measurements on the picture. Oh. The exercise is this. Take your own measurements, <laughs> compare them to these beautiful specimens, and think about the difference. <laughs> and this book produces, you know, this, the title says, Make Yourself Miserable. Boy, it produces. Do that exercise, you know. And you think you were, you were happy before? You'll be depressed now after you compare yourself to these beautiful specimens and think about the difference. And you think, in fact, you're as depressed as you'll ever get. You turn the page and he says, now this was just a warm-up. Because <laughs> we all know that beauty uh, is not important. Now let's compare ourselves to others on something that is important. 
achievement. <laughs> and how does he do this? He, give, he claims to have pulled several people from the phone book for you to compare what you have achieved at your stage in life with what these people did. Now here's why I get a little suspicious of this guy. He says he pulled him from the phone book, but the first name he pulled was Mozart. He says, now this gentleman Mozart, by age X, uh, I think eight, had written several pieces of music which have lasted over the centuries as masterpieces. By age eight, he could speak four languages. Now compare what you've achieved in your life with what Mozart did at age eight. And think about the difference. You see, so no, we don't want to encourage this poor child to think in that comparative way. So we don't even want to hear the thought. We want to translate it into a need. So you're feeling really sad and need reassurance that mommy and daddy really care for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That empathy is what the person needs more than anything else. You see? That demonstrates more the caring than, but I do. You see? It's hard sometimes to hear a question and not answer that yeah. question. Yeah. So what you're saying is go for... <laughs> Listen for the need behind it. Yes, answer no question until you first feel you are firmly connected to the person's heart behind the request. See, the, the question is always a request. Never respond to a request until you have first connected to the need. It takes all the joy out of doing anything that people want if we don't see the need. Okay, now. Say the need. Now, after the empathy, you might have more chance of being understood. So say again, what is the need that keeps you from saying yes? In few words, this is a six-year-old. What's the need that keeps you from saying yes? I'm going to a workshop that will help me to be um, a better mother. And a more loving person. Of course, those are dangerous abstractions. We don't want this child to think there is such a thing as a loving mother. Or what was that second? Better, better person. A better person. There is no such thing as a loving person. There is no such thing. So we don't want to be abstractions that don't exist. We want to do something real in life. So you want to learn ways of connecting in a more loving way with her. That's possible, but it's not possible to be a loving mother. Okay, so I'm going to this. Uh, I'm going to San Francisco <clears throat> to learn better I ways. I have a need. I have a need. Oh, because I have a need to learn better ways for connecting with you, in with a you way. in a loving way. Could you tell me what you heard me say? Could you tell me what you heard me say? You, 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 you want to learn to to be connect with me in a more loving way. That's right. Then you'd stay home. <laughs> so you're, um, you're still feeling sad that I won't be with you? You're still feeling sad and need reassurance oh, that you're cared for. You're still feeling sad and need reassurance that you're really cared for. Yeah. What can I do that would help you feel that way? 
stay home. <laughs> I'm sad about that you think that I would like to see some other way that would work about meeting that need. Because I'd like to find a way that could meet your need and mine. See, I'd like to find a way to meet both. I wouldn't say this to the child at the moment until I could figure out how to say it to a six-year-old, but you see, if I meet the child's need and not mine, the child's going to pay for it. So I, I want to be sure that I never do anything for other people. The other person will pay for it. So could we find a way to meet 